Praise the Lord. You could be seated today. God is good. There's a little lady in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4 who began to entertain the prophet every time that he would go by. And by prophecy, she received a son. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted or sent by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Forty days of fasting. And he began to unravel hell, refute anything that was coming at him. I believe today for a precedent. It was not because Jesus needed spiritual muscles that he went on a fast. Praise God. It was not to show how he could just whoop up on the devil. But I believe it was for you and I that he set this precedent. He began to throw out little snippets of the Word of God and for our understanding and our learning of how to deal with the devil, how to put the devil on the run. And I understand that in conjunction with the Word of God going through our mouths and used uh, in, in, in a way to get rid of situations maybe, sickness and troubles, Jesus was also saying to us a few things when he said, you got to live by every word of God. And then he said again, you shouldn't tempt. And if you look into it, the underlying motive and the underlying context is that the children of Israel were complaining. In other words, they were trying to have God to be something he was not. And this tells us that we need to trust in God. When the water runs out, it's okay, Jonah. When the air runs out, it's okay, Jonah. You might have some seaweed wrapped around your head, but you got a word from God that said, I'm going to pay my vows. Praise God. The Word of God is so powerful. One little snippet. Jesus, uh, Jesus, Jesus spoke unto a Lazarus with one. You, you understand, Jesus didn't have to speak a word at all. He just had to wiggle an eyebrow and, and Lazarus went. He did it for a precedent to show us. He came upon this world and did what he did, showing us how to do it, not to impress us but to show us how to do it. And so much in the context of, of these different things. And, of course, you, you could look at the manna from uh, the first time he, he rebuked hell with the, the word and said, uh, man shall not live by bread alone. It was, it was something that was given to man to train them, to teach them, and to see God to see and for themselves to see whether they would live for God or not. 
same old story now. But manna was of no good at all unless it was crushed. Numbers 11, 7 and 8 talks about they got mills, they got pestles, they got their mortars. Oh, somebody preach about that. I don't have time. But anyway, my, my, the Word of God was broken. Jesus broke bread. The Bible said in Deuteronomy, you cannot take the, you, for a pledge a mortar or a, a, a millstone, the upper and the lower. You can't take them because they're man's life. There's something to be said for the preaching of the Word of God. Without it, we cannot. Unless the man of God is breaking bread. I can, anyway, praise the Lord. I'll just wrap that up here. But the little woman, the little woman said when her child died, her prophecy died. I, I started telling the devil lately, or God, or situations. Brother Joe, lately, I started saying, that's a lie. That's a lie in you. The Word of God is eternal. The devil shows up with a little temptation, and maybe not little, but a little, a little moment of trial and trouble. But God shows up with an eternal word, and he's trying to get us to use an eternal word against hell because the victory is already won. Victory is already won. And the little woman said when her baby died, she went put it on the, the man of God's bed, and her husband said, what you doing? Where are you going? She said, she said, it shall be well. Somebody else said something. She said, it's good. It's good. It's good. You know what she was doing? She's doing what we need to do. We need to begin to speak the Word of God over situations all the day long in every trouble, in every sickness. Speak the Word. No doubtful words. She said, it's going to be good. And guess what? That baby raised up. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's oh, good word. Good word. All right, I want to start in Second uh, Chronicles 21 and 7, and it says, How be it the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and as he promised to give a light to him and his sons forever. We know God will keep his promise. God cannot lie, Numbers 23, 19. Brother Walter, you said it's time. Brother David, you preached about a mountain. We have to climb that mountain. There, we can't wait. We can't sit back. Now, we know God's timing is everything. But when God opens that door, it's up to us to walk through it. I just want to look at my time. It's my time to do my part. We know God's faithful, and we know that God is always in our presence. Where two or three are gathered, Matthew 18, 20. He's omnipresent, Psalms 139, 7 through 10. But something happens when we get into God's presence. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. 
uh, again in Luke, or Matthew eleven twenty eight said, Come unto me, all ye that labor. <clears throat> Job searched for God's presence in Job 23, verse 3, when he was in a struggle. And at the end of his story, he was healed. His wealth was doubled, and he got to see four generations. How about the man possessed with the legion? The man possessed with the legion came and ran, bowed down at Jesus' feet. Mark 5, verses 6 through 16, those taking notes, he was freed. See, I can't lead anyone to the kingdom if I won't walk with the king. So, in John 8 and 12, I'm paraphrasing here, but if the light isn't in us, then we're in the dark. So if God's faithful and God is present and I say that I'm walking with him, it's time for me to step up and do my part. Luke 9.23 says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The harvest is plentiful, laborers are few. Matthew 9.37, If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.12, It's time to get off spiritual unemployment. It's time to do my part. God's coming back. God is coming back. We have so many empty seats in here. Pastor was given a hundredfold revival, and this building was built. The God gave the promise. Pastor oversaw the addition, and there are so many empty seats waiting for a saint, waiting for the next saint. So many people out there right now, they need a touch of God. They need some direction. Oh, God's looking for a lad, like a John 6, 9 lad, who will take the little bit that he has, and give it to God so God can feed the 5,000. He's looking for a First Kings chapter 17 widow who's willing to feed the man of God so that God can reach out and bless her. The oil would not run out throughout the drought. I don't know. We're looking. God needs a shepherd boy who sees a cause. I know he turned into a king later, but in 1 Samuel 17, 29, a shepherd boy saw a cause. I don't want to be the rich young ruler who chose not to walk with God because I didn't want to give up the comforts of my flesh. What, what if they would have clapped and just went home on the day of Pentecost instead of following what Peter had to say? There'd be no Book of Acts revival to talk about. Sometimes we have to get up and we have to act. It's time to use what we've been taught. It's time to use what God's given us. I want to look at one verse real quick. Isaiah 65 and 16 in the CEV says, I am God. I can be trusted. Your past troubles are gone. I no longer think of them. When you pray for someone to receive a blessing or when you make a promise, you must do it in my name. I alone am the God who can be trusted. We need to do our part. We know God is faithful to do his. The woman of the issue of blood wasn't going to just let Jesus walk by. Bar Blind Barnabas wasn't going to sit there and just be quiet. If we want results and we want answers to prayers, we have to fast, pray, reach out, cry, and we need to be reading the Word of God so that we can use the Word of God. We need to stop walking in the desert, start climbing the mountain. We need to sow seeds and fill these seeds in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I appreciate the word of the Lord. Amen.
spending a fair amount of time speaking to folks that are more interested in a program, more interested in a musical concert type environment, Brother Shack, than they are the word of the Lord. Um, I don't know, I've told you before, I came in this thing, we had an hour plus <laughs> singing, but we had an hour and a half of preaching. And if you ever knew Brother Holt, he wore you out, man. You were, it was, it was preaching. It was, and it was, you didn't go like, oh, is that all you've got? No, you knew he studied for weeks on end and he brought stuff and you just kept making notes. And when you're done, it's like going to one of those seminars, Brother Carl. I've been one of those get rich seminars and they give you like 10,000 points. And you walk out and you go, I think I can remember one. I should work. I go, yeah. <laughs> overload, sensory overload. I have been enjoying the preaching. Brother West, I really enjoyed Wednesday night. God bless you. Good to have you guys back. At just every service. Brother Shrack last Sunday. I've been feeling the presence of the Lord. Talk to the, I'm going somewhere. You just give me a chance. I talked to some of the leaders today. I said, you know, I'm just wondering, and if you gave me the answer, God is stirring. Brother Larry, things are happening in the spiritual realm. If we could open, pull back that veil, as Pastor Herring says, pull it back and get a, a gander into the what's going on spiritually, God is working. He is stirring hearts of people. He's trying to bring us to a different level. He's trying to bring us up from the level that we're at. You say, well, I've been growing good, God. I've been really been growing. He's saying, I appreciate what you're doing, but there's a better place. There's a higher walk. There's a taller mountain. There's a closer walk with me. And I just know I know God is waking people up in the middle of the night. I know God is stirring you as you're just sitting there and, and you're thinking that it's just a quiet time and you wake up and you think, oh, that's just a noise in the garage. Well, it's like when the Lord woke up young Samuel. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Samuel goes, hmm, that's the Lord. He's just a young kid and he knew enough. Some of us, we get woke up by God. I wonder what that is. I think it's the wind blowing. <laughs> God is stirring, and he's trying to wake us up, Brother Carl. Brother Carlos, he's trying to wake us. And, and you say, well, what for? A little closer walk. <laughs> a little personal time with him. A time when there's no kids crying. A time when there's no bills, no phone ringing. God's saying, come on, just get a little closer to me. It's just as if he was saying to you, just as he was saying to you and to me, it's time to get in the ark. It's time to get in the place of safety. It's time to draw close to God. Praise the Lord. Help me just kind of go in a different direction today. I want to talk about Colossians 3, verse 13. Sister Flail, you have that. 
You don't have to stand. We've already stood for reading. Thank you, brethren, for bearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Brother West, as the Lord is my witness, Wednesday night, as God was moving in this place and people were praying together, God gave me this. Forgiveness is powerful, church. Forgiveness is powerful. You may not run and you may not shout today. I'll be wary of time, but forgiveness is powerful. I know you know that. I know you also know that without love, you can't forgive. Because without godly love or agapio love or without the, the presence of God ushering in His love through you, it's, it's just pert near impossible to forgive somebody that's wronged you. Because we take score. We keep tabs. We mark it down. Yep, I remember. August 16th. Adding that to your list, brother. Sister, I mean my wife. Yep, got it right there. Oh, I'm going to have to start using X's instead of just dice marks. We keep track, brother Josh. Keep score. I want you to know the definition of forgiveness is the act of forgiving someone. It's the attitude of someone who is willing to forgive. That's what forgiveness is. It's the same as to pardon. It's the same as to remit or give amnesty. Mark it off to wipe it clean. Forgiveness. It's powerful, church. And if it, we allow things to settle in our craw, in our being, we lose something that is so special. We lose the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't walk in the Spirit and operate in the flesh. Because when you don't forgive, you're operating in the flesh. Honestly, there's a whole lot of things I forget. Like birthdays and anniversaries. Hey, happy anniversary to Lance and Tiara. Praise the Lord. Happy birthday, Brother Marshall, tomorrow. Happy birthday, Sister Playa. Oh, I know that. I looked at the calendar. They're good. They're a good thing to have. But I forget a lot of things. I forget to pick the milk up on the way home. Get all the way home. Go by three stores. You know what I'm talking about. So I'd lose my head if it wasn't a text. I just kind of thought, I, I had a poem that I shared with you at some time, if you heard it before. It's, it's okay. I can hear it again. I got the microphone today, so it's called I Can't Remember. Go on someplace. Just a little line to say I'm living. 
that I'm not among the dead. Though I'm getting more forgetful and mixed up in my head. I got used to my arthritis, to my dentures undesigned. I can manage my bifocals, but Lord, I miss my mind. For sometimes I can't remember when I stand at the foot of the stairs if I must go up for something or I've just come down from there. And before the fridge so often, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> my poor mind is filled to doubt. Have I just put food away or have I come to take some out? There's a time when it's dark with my nightcap on my head. I don't know if I'm retiring or just getting out of bed. So if it's my turn to write, there's no need for getting sore. I may think I've written, and I don't want to be a bore. So remember that I love you and wish that you were near. And now it's nearly mail time, so I must say goodbye, dear. There I stand beside the mailbox with a face so very sad. Instead of mailing you my letter, I opened it instead. I may forget a lot of things, but I have a tendency, Brother David Needham, to remember when somebody's done something for me. I can tell by the amens. I remember, and and you remember. It's something that's very nice. It's just, it logs itself in there, Brother Palmer. It comes in, and it's just like, I remember, I remember that. And I ponder on it, and I contemplate it, and I let it take away my sleep and my rest, and it takes away valuable relaxation time. Start going, I remember being cheated on. I remember being abused. I remember being lied to, stolen from. Yep. Seldom forget that. The details sometimes get sketchy over the process of time. Have you ever, don't answer this by nodding because you'd be very guilty, very condemning. Where you were mad at somebody for something they did, and over time, you forgot what it was. You just know they did you something wrong. And you rehashed it, and, and then somewhere along the way, I can't remember what the details were of. I just know I'm mad at you. Working on it. Working on the details. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times? You know the answer to that. Jesus said, 70 times seven. He said, Sister Melissa, don't keep score. Don't keep tabs. Stop calculating. Stop adding it up. Because it's not healthy. Just learn to forgive. I'm sure that if we took a poll in this place today, do not shout, but if we took a poll, this room would have some horrific stories of things that people have done to you. 
probably sit around and drink some iced tea out there in the wind and the sun and just try to one-up each other until we finally got done and it was just like, man, we were really just hating life. There is nobody in this room that has not somehow been betrayed or hurt or cheated on. There's no one meet me. If you haven't, you haven't lived. I want to know where you've been hiding. Long list of offenders. Paul talks about 2 Corinthians 11. Just, Paul just had a way of talking to common folks. And yet he would be, if we looked at him, we would say he is such a scholar. But he could still be all things to all men. And when he wrote, he said, and it wasn't one of those things where he's going, hey, look at me. Look how bad life's been to me. But he was sharing something with people so that they would understand that life has hard knocks. People do stupid things. Can I get an amen from somebody in the church? People are not perfect yet, so they say things that are worse than putting their foot in their mouth. He said five times I got whooped, Dave one. Thrice I was beaten with rod. Once I was stoned. I suffered shipwrecks. Night and a day have I been in the deep. He starts to get real personal here. In journeyings, often in perils, and water, and robbers. And my own countrymen, he said, hey, my own brethren did me wrong. Go back that one, back to that again, please city in the wilderness and the sea among false brethren. He said there were even people who pretended to be my brothers. Oh, can I get an amen? Someone who pretended to care about you. Paul said, yep, I had those too. Go ahead, next verse, 27. Weariness and painfulness and watchings, hungry, thirsty, you read it, and there's more on there. He just went through a gamut of things. So what you're going through or what you have gone through up to this point is not unique. That doesn't mean to sound uncompassionate or caring. I, I do care, and I, I believe your neighbor cares. and every, we, we care when people are hurting. But it's not unique. It's not unique that you've been talked badly about or lied about. It's not unique that you've been cheated on. It's not unique that you've been uh, uh, just... Just plain stolen from. Not real life stories. But he does not, the one thing I want to focus on is that Paul did not play the victim card. Anyone know what the victim card is? Anyone like it when someone plays the victim card to you in a conversation? It is offensive. I hate the victim card because that says that no one else's problems matter but mine. I'm the only one that matters. And we've all been we've all been hurt. Brother Flail, you don't understand. Okay. Let's just say I don't. May not. May not know all the details. That's okay. I don't want to know the details. Praise the Lord. Somebody does you wrong. I don't want to know the details. <laughs> but there's some folks that 
just a senior, they just run around. They got to tell everybody what happened. Whole story. They're looking for sympathy, looking for somebody getting their amen corner. Oh, you should just take that up to the newspaper and let everybody know what they did to you. <coughs> no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be part of that. Kindly just send somebody, divert them, redirect them, send them on their proper course. Blessed are the peacemakers, the scripture says. Don't be part of that. Don't let that happen. Lead people back to where they can just get along. That's, that's what unity is. We can learn to get along. Mark eleven twenty five says, when you stand praying. So you got to pray, right? Forgive. Did I give you Matthew 5, 23 and 24? He said, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. He said, leave the gift at the altar and go make it right with your brother. What's the CEV say at the end of that verse? CEV says, oh, yeah, good, good news, never mind. He said, at once, make peace with your brother. And then come back and offer your gift to God. Because the scripture tells me, Brother Justin, that if you offer a prayer to God, but you have a problem with your wife, God says, I don't hear you. Get your problem squared away. Make it right with your wife. I'm talking to somebody today, husbands and wives. You got to stop carrying a grudge. You got to get over it. You got to stop keeping tally. Keeping score. It's time you got along. She's your helpmate. He's your strength. He's your protector. Come on, get together on this thing. Oh man, do I feel the Holy Ghost. You got to stop that. You got to stop playing those games. You got to set that aside. I don't care what he did to you. I don't care what she did to you. I don't care how your kids embarrassed you. It doesn't matter. You got to learn to forgive. You got to forgive and you got to forget and you got to move on and you got to let them be all right. Can I say this? If you steal from me, I'm going to forgive you. But I'm not going to give you back my wallet. That's not forgiven, Brother Plano. <laughs> Two different things. I'll forgive you, but I don't trust you with my wallet. Not till you show me. Not till you show me that you can be held accountable. You learned your lesson. That means forever? Absolutely not. Silly. We got to learn to forgive. We got we to gotta forgive, and we got to forget, and we got to move on. Uh, in Luke 10, there's a young man asked Jesus about eternal life. You know the story. Jesus said, you got to love me with everything you got. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when you're done doing that, then you need to love your neighbor. And that smart Alex said, well, who's my neighbor? Verse 29. You know what he was saying, Brother West? He was saying, do you know my neighbor? I do. You gotta love him as much as you love yourself, the CEV says. James 2 8 says, if you fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. James, who wrote that, obviously had to deal with a lot of personal problems. As the pastor in Jerusalem, they said that the church was well over 100,000 people. Do you suppose that they had some marital issues? Do you suppose that somewhere in there that a brother got offended by another brother? A sister got an attitude with another sister? Some kids got the, you know, goofing around on the playground, got a little rough, got a little... I'm sure he did. But he said, you got to learn to forgive. You got to go on. We got to, we got to, uh, we got to love those that least deserve it. We got to forgive those that least deserve it. Because we don't deserve it. Matthew 6, 14 said, if you forgive men their trespasses, as your heavenly father will also forgive you. My forgiveness is hinged. The, the forgiveness that God gives me and gives you is hinged upon whether or not I can forgive others. Wow. No, he just forgives me. No problem. No, I, I sooner or later I learned that, hey, I need to forgive that person. I need to make amends. I need to go on. I need to get through this. Once you learn that, you, it's too late. You can't go back and say, ah, it doesn't matter. That was before the blood. Huh. Many of you know what I'm talking about when I say after you got baptized or during that process of time filled with the Holy Ghost, God's saying, go make amends. Go make things right. Go, go square things up. Don't hold anything back. Go hug their neck. I remember Brother Larry saying to my dad the first time I can remember, I love you, Dad. Making amends, working things out, getting them right. Matthew Henry said, make short work of it, forgive. Forgiveness really is more than just I'm saying I forgive you. But forgiveness is the actions that lead up to it and the actions that follow after it. Did you hear what I said? Every once in a while, what we thought was resolved returns. Fresh feelings from an old wound begin to surface. And God says, you just need to deal with that again. Hebrews 12, 15 talks about the root of bitterness. Sometimes it's a root. You've got to take care of it. Springing up to trouble you, and there'll be many to be defiled. Yes, when somebody has done me wrong, Sister Becky, I would like for them to acknowledge that. I would like them to grovel. I would like them to beg. Fall on broken glass. I know none of you think that at all. I know you don't. You guys are angelic. I'm not. I'm just being honest with you. I want them to acknowledge that they did me wrong. I want them to truly say they're sorry. And I want to feel convinced that they meant it. But that is not Scripture. Scripture says, 
forgive, forgive, move on. Praise the Lord, everybody. Stand if you would this morning. Seemingly, forgiveness is not a shouting message, Brother Wes. Not shouting. But it's needful. I don't want to let something become a root of bitterness. I don't want something to stand between me and you, or me and my spouse, or me and my children. And I know you don't either. We have to somehow separate ourselves from that, that worldly view that says, when they earn it, when it's just right, then it's earned. It's okay. Now, I know this. The scripture says that for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. So if you know you need to forgive somebody, do it. Just do it. What's stopping you? Pride? Pride? You afraid of what they'll say? I'll close right here. Some of you have probably heard me tell this story. I, um, I went to go make something right that I had done wrong before I came into church. Did something wrong, Brother Stacy? Got involved and just when it was done, I was immediately convicted, and and didn't take advantage of what I had done. Actually, put it in the box and and just stuffed it away. You're wondering what it is. It doesn't matter. God began to deal with me about making it right, but that'll be embarrassing. What are people gonna say? What are they gonna think? At that point, it didn't matter. And so I went to a place that was very, very busy. And I went to, <laughs> you know when you try to make something right sometimes, you'd think it'll just be easy? It wasn't easy. I said, hey, uh, I did something wrong a few years ago, and I want to make it right. So I've come to give you what I think is four times more than what the value of what I took. And this person said, uh, I can't do that at this counter. This register, I can't take money back in at this register like that. This is, and I said, well, who do I talk to? Okay, just a second. I need management over here on aisle three. Got to tell the story again. And that individual said, nah, I can't take you there. You're right here. You're going to have to go upstairs. So off I went upstairs, everyone watching, and I went up into a, like a crow's nest where everybody could see. And I said, please, I just want to make something right. I, I, did, I did a horrible thing, and I want to make it right. And I am sorry. They shook their head and they said, never. I've never seen anything like this before. I don't, we don't know what to do with this. I don't care. I'm leaving it right here. And you guys can, you guys can rip it up into a million pieces. You can throw darts. I don't care. Here it is right here. 
You need to call the police. You need to file a report. What do you need to do? I want this over with. And they just kind of laughed it off. No, big deal. Good. No, no, no. This is serious. And I walked out of there, brother. And before I got to the front door, Brother Carl, tears just flowing down my face. The Holy Ghost all over me. I couldn't hardly even walk to my car. It was so powerful. Because all I wanted to do was make it right. Some of you have been hanging on to things far too long. It's time to just make it right. Just make it right. Don't worry about what happens after that. God will work it out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you and praise you. You've been so good to us, Jesus. So good to us. Thank you. As you forgive me, God, help me to forgive others. Help me to bury the hatchet and the handle. Help me to stop keeping tally and keeping score, God. Help me to just forgive. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want some of you spouses to begin to pray together. I want some of you that that's proper. I want you to begin to pray together. You want your marriage strengthened? You want your relationship to be blessed by God? Come on, let God do it.